I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. You can find the show at Championship Pod on Twitter. I'm Louis Shackshaft. I'm going to throw it straight over to Jake Jackman, who joins us today. He's going to go back to Friday night and take us through all the results. Yeah, back to Friday night. We obviously had the London derby where Fulham won 2-1 against QPR. And moving on to Saturday, Cardiff came from two goals down to draw 2-1 against Charlton. Uh, Neil Harris's first game in charge there. Uh, West Brom beating Sheffield Wednesday 2-1. Wednesday going down to 10 men during that match. Millwall getting a a key away win away to Swansea. Um, Swansea slightly inconsistent now, but um, good win for Millwall. Stoke beating Wigan 2-1. I believe they came from behind in that one. Leeds winning against Luton 2-1. Huddersfield going 1-0 up against Birmingham, but then... That one finishing in a draw later on. Derby getting a huge win at home against Preston. Uh, Bristol City and Nottingham Forest playing out a 0-0 draw with Forest having a mountain off. Brentford beating Reading 1-0. Blackburn beating Barnsley 3-2 in, one, in, in what was quite an entertaining game. Then on the Sunday, you had Middlesbrough going 2-0 up, getting a mountain off, and then ultimately drawing 2-2 against Hull. Yeah, that final fixture was a good one to watch. I'm sure we'll talk about that one also. Uh, but thanks for that, Jake, taking us through the results. I'm going to throw it back to you uh, once again, as always. Any surprise results or big wins that you'd like to talk about in particular? Yeah, I think the Derby win is quite a big win. Um, Preston obviously going very well at the top of the league. Yeah, It's only their fourth loss of the, of the season. Um, they look very, very good under Alex Neil and Derby. They're very, very inconsistent under uh, Philip Koku. You know, if you look at their results, 17 games played, six wins, six draws, five losses. That is the, that is just inconsistency, isn't it? That is. Um... It is, yeah. In, in fact, while you mentioned that, I've just, I've I've considered Derby to be quite poor all season, if I'm honest. And, and to see them in the top half now, 11, seems kind of strange, don't you think? <laughs> very strange now, especially when you think they're, Level on points of QPR, who I think have, have played pretty well this season. Um, yeah. Three points below Brentford, who, you know, many think they're going to go on and get a playoff spot. And only five points off the playoffs themselves. So they've put themselves in a good position, despite their, their last six games reading loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. You know, so that kind of goes to show what we've always said on this podcast, that yeah, no point of draws. You know, if you're going to win, win, then lose, then win, then lose, at least you're you're picking up points and, and, and you know, that, that ultimately leads to, if you won, if, if you won 23 games and lost 23 games, you would finish, oh, let's see if my mental maths are, are still good. That would leave you on 69 points, which is a pretty good return, really. It's, yeah, it's just about, you, you might push six spot, wouldn't you, if you exactly. were to do that. So, uh, so, you know, it is inconsistent, but they are picking up wins. Um, 
and it only takes a run of three or four games where you, you know you avoid those losses and you get a few wins together that would really propel them off the table and they obviously got Wayne Rooney coming in in January um yet to see how he sort of takes the championship um but he, mm. he could have a positive influence so yeah it's a big one that um disappointed for Preston but they do seem to go you know they they go on the these runs of wins and they they, they lose on the away from home when you expect they wouldn't um I think Preston now, when they've got that winning mentality that they've got, you know, nine wins out of 17, really good record. They need to, in games, you know, we've said that draws that do you a lot of favours, but if they are going to go on and, and win automatic promotion or at least challenge for it and, and secure themselves in the playoffs because you know, the playoffs are not secure for them. They're only two points off seventh, even though they are in third place. So if they are really going to consolidate, they, they need to try and turn these losses into draws. Um, I think yeah. that, that's where draws can be quite useful for teams that are challenging at the top and just if you don't play well, you get a point out of it and you move on. Um, I think that's something that Preston need to develop. But yeah, big win for Derby. I think uh, other one um, for me that stood out was Brentford. Getting a win against Reading. Uh, Brentford, I've always been a big fan of them. I like the way they recruit. Um, they, they sort of follow the maximum, not drawing games. Got eight wins from 17, only three draws. So, um, and they've picked up a lot of wins recently. I think it's, yeah, five from their last six now looking at the table. So they are picking up good form and, and it don't think they played overly well um against Reading. Reading set up quite they they, they contained them and, and played pretty well but they got the win um and that's what they need to do if they are going to finish in that top six. So I think that was a an important win for Brentford because we've seen them in these home yeah, games definitely, yeah. lose yeah. games. You know, we saw it against Charlton at the start of the season. There's countless other examples since we started this podcast of, of Brentford dominated games at home and then losing one nil. Um so to be on the opposite end of that result this time, I think is is a huge mental boost for them, um, and hopefully, you know, eradicate those silly mistakes that they have been making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you've you've obviously took a couple off my list there, but I've got a few more games that I can mention. So I thought uh, Millwall's win at Swansea, uh, that free kick from Jed Wallace, cracking. Uh, strike that was uh, to win the game in the 65th minute um but again as we've talked about derby similar for millwall i don't you know consider them to be having a great season but that puts them in 10 spot also in the top half and we talk about how tight it is um but as millwall and derby are slowly climbing the table teams like swansea and millwall beat of you know drifting away from that you know top three if you like um still in sixth spot but that was a bit of a surprise for me on the day uh, and then the other one that I'm going to mention um simply because they've managed to win two games on the bounce now is Stoke City um still sat in 23rd they've caught Middlesbrough up on points which they said they certainly could do both sat on 14 but that 90th uh, minute winner from Diouf um like I say, t- two wins on the bounce now for Stoke City. So, like we talked about on the podcast last time, they'll be looking ahead and looking up the league rather than down as now, as as Huddersfield are doing since they brought their new manager in, Danny Cowley, as well. So, yes, um, worrying times for Middlesbrough and obviously Barnsley continue to slump at the bottom of the table, but we're going to come on to Barnsley very shortly. So before we do, shall we talk players of the week, Jake? Um, anyone in particular that stood out for you that you'd like to mention from these fixtures? Yeah, there's a few players that I'd like to touch on. Um, I think, again, 
Herrera for uh, West Brom was really, really yeah. good. Yeah, he, he was. He's such a classy player. and I think he's definitely got a future at a higher level. Uh, I don't think we'll see him in the championship for long. We might not see West Brom in the championship for long if they continue playing as they are. Um, he's just... He's perfect for English football. I think he's quite combative. He he gets involved. He's not afraid of the physical side of it, but he's he can play a quality pass, and he rarely gives the ball away, even when he is playing in those advanced positions. Three key passes on uh, Saturday, and he he looked really good. Obviously, getting the assist as well um, for the first goal. So, yeah, he does look really really good for West Brom, and it, he just looks perfectly suited to English football, and he looks to be a really really good find for them. Um, to be honest, I think that he's gonna continue to develop over the course of the season um, and if West Brom don't go up I'd be surprised if he wasn't playing at a higher level uh, next season Yeah. another one for me so I'm slightly surprised he considered he's on the losing team but I um, thought he played really well and that, that was the uh, Luton goalkeeper uh, Shea made several really good saves uh, he did, he did, yeah he, yeah. he, he, he was excellent and as it, uh, I've got in front of me he made 11 saves but some of them were incredible and I think you see this a lot in games of Leeds, you see the opposition goalie quite often having a good game. Um, and he was excellent uh, and gave Luton a chance uh, of getting something in the end. Um, they did it at Leeds. I got a last minute winner, which was, was it was gutting for Luton because, you know, <laughs> Le- Leeds were obviously the better team. Um, yeah. The fact that we're commenting on the Luton goalie shows that. But when you hang in there that long um, and then to lose it to an own goal as well, is it is really disappointing. Um Mm. But I think Luton could take heart from that. Um, they're obviously a very different team to what they were last season, but they've certainly got fighting spirit, and they remind me a little bit of Rotherham last year in that respect. Um, you know, five losses on the bounce doesn't look great, but they always seem to be in games. Um, if you look at their last last five games, it was only Reading when they lost 3-0 that they didn't score in, uh, lost 3-2 to Fulham, lost 2-1 to Birmingham, lost... 2-1 to Nottingham Forest, obviously losing 2-1 to Leeds. They, they, they're fighting and they're in, in these games. And they're not... They're not far they are off. Near the no, bottom, they're, no. Yeah, they are, they're looking all right. Uh, um, mm. And I think they will. there will be games when the other team doesn't turn up that they will win this year and, and keeping them in touch with the teams above them. Obviously, the fact that Huddersfield have, have got up the league now um, and look, they've sorted themselves out under Danny Cowley and, and Stoke getting these back-to-back wins. It's a little bit of a worry for for Barnsley and Luton, but um, yeah, I think I think there's there's some reason to hope for Luton definitely. Um, and, and the goalie there showed that he's up up for it at this level, and that even if Luton are dominating in games, he can keep them in it, which I think is a huge positive. Yeah, definitely. And I'm going to follow on from that because one of the key players I've got from this weekend is in that fixture and it's Bamford. Uh, and I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago because he he managed to score and get an assist. Uh, a few weeks back now, um, but then in this game he managed to score. And yes, I know the the, uh, the 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 second goal for Leeds has gone down as an own goal, uh, but in many ways it could have been given as as Bamford's as well. Um, I think he, he may have got a slight touch to it, and then it's deflected off the defender into the goal. Um, but I wanted to mention Bamford simply because we have to only go back a month or so when he was under all this criticism for not scoring, and you know that's where. Leeds United were, you know, that's where their downfall was up front. Uh, and he's managed to score, you know, I think three in three now uh, and could have been a fourth uh, potentially. Or should I say, no, he scored two in three and, and could have been a third 
um, if he was given that <laughs> that goal against Luton. So for me, yeah, Bamford's on my list. Uh, a couple more players. Um, I'm going to mention Kamara, who scored two goals for Fulham uh, on Friday um, against QPR, um, with both goals in that one, giving Fulham the victory. Uh, Bradley Dack did the same for Blackburn in their 3-2 victory against Barnsley. Uh, but a player that I think was just sublime this weekend and is probably the, you know, you mentioned Pereira and the, the Luton goalkeeper, but for me, Jared Bowen, <laughs> we mention him so many times and about him, how he's still in the championship and playing for the likes of Hull City. And, you know, I'm sure when we come into the topics later, we'll be discussing Jared Bowen again. But his goals for Hull against Borough, um, with them being 2-0 down, that first goal was, it, you know, that, that could go on and, and win goal of the season, you know, from the halfway line, taking it past a, a few defenders. And although there might have been element of luck he absolutely smashed it from 25 30 yards didn't he straight into the goal and I think for me he's in you know that bundle of players you know four or five players in this division that are at just top of the game consistently and for me he is thereabouts as one of the best players in the league now so I couldn't mention uh, couldn't not mention Jared Bowen for his two goals for Hull he's just um fantastic week in week out and 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 as time goes on it's he's becoming better and better and more consistent um but like i say we'll probably touch on him later on also so that takes us into the topics it was confirmed earlier on that um or earlier last week should i say that gerhard uh, struber is the manager to take barnsley forward although they are foot at the table um, only one win all season in 17, sat on nine points. What you, What's your thoughts on his appointment, Jake? And do you think he's going to have what it takes to get Barnsley out of that bottom three after 46 games? It is, it is a very uh, difficult job he's taken on at Barnsley. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about him, um, but the way Barnsley have recruited uh, in the last few years makes me think that they do sort of know what... Even they they have struggled this year. I think they they do know what they're doing um, mm. in terms of recruitment, and they've got their pulse on what's going on across um, the rest of Europe, and, and they're able to bring in players. So the reason why they can't do that with managers, I think that um, if you look at um, Stendhal, who's just gone out, um, I think you'd agree that he is um, he was a, a successful manager for them. Uh, He's probably going to go on and get a, a good job elsewhere in, in England. I'd imagine he did a really good job there. It just didn't seem to click this year. But um, based on that, you'd have to think that Strube is going to be a good appointment. Yeah. He obviously, he's managed in the Europa League this season. Um, from what I've read, he did, he did quite well with Wolfsberger, um, who he's come from in, in the Austrian League. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that um, you've got reason to be positive. Um, I think it's going to be an exciting brand of football to watch when he, when he finally gets into an established, but taking over a team that's only won one game all season, it's a huge ask. Um, you know, despite that, they're still in, in touching distance. You know, five points at, at, after 17 games isn't a lot, um, to be honest. All it takes is a couple of wins and they're right back up the table. Um, Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And at the time they're recording, that it, it's going to be midweek games this, um, today and if Barnsley got in that, they'll wait to Middlesbrough tomorrow. So, you know, that's, they go there and win. They move two points behind Middlesbrough. And, uh, or is it two, yeah, two points below Middlesbrough. And they've got it all to play for. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. I don't know a lot about him, so, but from what I've read, he, he's quite an exciting coach. Um, and based on, you know, how long it's taken Barnsley to get this appointment, I'd imagine they've done their research and they, that Struber and, and Barnsley, the board, are completely behind the same vision. Um, mm. And that could be quite exciting for them. Yeah, I mean, um, he's still young, isn't he? He's only 42. And like you say, it were Wolfsburg, I believe they were third in the league um, when he, he left the club. Uh, so he's done relatively well. And like you say, he's got experience within Europe in the Europa League. And, and with Wolfsburg, I, I believe that he managed to... Uh, I think at, at the time of him leaving, he'd managed to gain four points from four games. Um, but having said that, you know, a lot of clubs are turning to these Eastern European managers now. And and for me, yes, it is an uphill task. He's, he's got. A, you know, I'd be very surprised if he managed to get Barnsley out of the bottom three. Because like you say, yes, it only takes a couple of wins. But then, you know, the remainder of the season, I still believe that uh, Barnsley lack a bit of class and a bit of... Um, well, a lot of things, you know, a, a bit of uh, experience as well from to, you know, like stay out of that bottom three. It is so, so tough. And the only get-out clause that I can see if Barnsley were to perform a miracle and, and stay up this season would be if Struber has obviously got some players up his sleeve lined up for January or, you know, whether that's the loan market, you know, or, or exploring, you know, uh, players that don't don't cost too much that not many people have heard of from from the likes of the Austrian leagues or whether that's you know the first or second division. So you know it, it needs to bring in a couple of star players or, or a couple of you know players maybe on loan from even this division or the Premier League that's really going to kick on kick them on and, and consistently pick up points. Um, so only time will tell with this one. We'll see how he does. Um, but all in all, I think it's it's a decent appointment. He's, he's obviously got a lot of experience at youth team level. He was at Red Bull Salzburg, I believe. He, he coached their under-21s and under-23s, and I believe he was uh, successful with them. So if, if that's anything to go by, then um, Barnsley, you, you know, they, they may have found the right man for the job. I just, um, in, the, in the long run, think it's, it's, it's such a difficult task for them to to stay up, whether they do go on a, a decent run of form or not. Uh, but off the field, let's talk about some misconduct charges, Jake, that have took place 
particularly at my team, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, over the last few weeks. I know uh, we're a bit delayed in, in talking about it on the podcast, but, you know, it's it's not only Sheffield Wednesday that I've, you know, got this misconduct charge and, and been placed under embargoes, et cetera, in the past. We saw, you know, Birmingham deducted nine points last season and, and there's controversy over uh, the loopholes that are being exploited in, in selling stadiums, which Sheffield Wednesday have done, uh, Derby and, and, and Aston Villa also, who, you know, lucky for them, managed to go up. And I believe Reading are still um, under a bit of uh, scrutiny regarding that also. So what's your thoughts regarding all the FFP rules and, and these misconduct charges and, and the possibility of, of sanctions, etc. Jake? Do you think that, you know, Club should be allowed to freely spend. It's getting to a point where the 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 ruling is getting a bit ridiculous. Or do you think that when clubs are finding loopholes and ex, and ex you know exploiting them, um, they should be severely punished? It's it's a difficult one. Um, in one respect, clubs need to spend money to progress. Uh, you know, football. It, it's difficult to to live within your means and progress especially at a rapid rate sometimes that some of these club owners want they you know it's, as much as it might be nice to grow a club um organically if you know if you've got you know a manager that wants to progress now you've got a, a coach that you believe in you've got a group of players that you like but you know they need a little bit more you can't just be waiting around um to organically grow a club you need to spend um and that can sometimes mean that uh, clubs overspend and have to find these loopholes, like the stadium um, that Derby, yep. Derby famously done, and now other clubs are following suit. But at the same time, you have to, you know, you have to look at Berry. You, you have to remember Berry, uh, and there's a mm. reason why these the FFP laws have come in. Um, it safeguards against clubs going out of business. It safeguards against relic. There being a, an uneven playing field in the championship, it prevents relegated clubs coming down and spending eighty million. Um, even though some do, you know, it, it's meant to protect against all of that. And it's a very difficult thing for for the EFL to write these guidelines and, and to to find something that's fair but also um, viable. And I, and I think that's where we've hit the problem now. I think. Uh, FFP, if we if we look at it in a grander scale, we look at the Premier League and what the FA are doing as well. If when it uh, when a team does break it and there aren't sanctions, uh, I think the best you know Manchester City don't look like they're going to be punished for, for what they've done. Yeah. Um, it looked you know Birmingham last season they were punished, but it didn't really affect them, did it? Uh, you know they were not going to realistically get the playoffs, and they weren't going to go down either. So. They got points deducted, but you know it wasn't really a punishment. They, without with or without the points deduction, they would have been a championship club this season. So, you know, it it's difficult. Um, and if there aren't those punishments there, I, I don't really think that you could expect clubs to abide by FFP. They're going to have to continue looking for these loopholes. It, it's it's really really difficult. Um, and, and I do sympathise with the EFL. Um, but yeah. I, I, I think it's difficult, and the way things are currently doesn't work. But I don't really understand where they could improve it either. I just think that maybe you know there are calls for from some to scrap FFP altogether. Maybe maybe that's what's going to happen because it it doesn't look great in the current guise. 
and the only way to maybe improve things is to increase the punishments but then you know that's opening a, a can of worms because if you if you punish one club you're probably gonna have to punish a lot of clubs so yeah it's not very viable yeah i agree with you i think you've got to have rules in place and even from my perspective as a sheffield wednesday fan i find it so frustrating that you know we've we've been on the lookout for a chairman that we've got now who's a multi-millionaire who's, who's willing to put millions and millions in, into the club um, but we can only make a loss of 39 million over three years now for me that's where the issue lies is I understand you've got to have rules and regulations to avoid you know clubs go, ending up like your berries and, and, and what's happening to Bolton Wonders at the minute etc um, but at the same time you know, when you when you look at the thirty nine million pound loss over a three year period, like teams in the Premier League are paying that for one player these days. So, for me, I understand that clubs who have you know got minimum spend have to explore the free transfer market, loan market. Uh, but sometimes that can be a better market to explore if if, if you're struggling. Um, you know, financially. I mean, you only have to look at Preston. They look how well they're doing, and have never gone out and spent big bucks. Um, other, other teams have managed to do it over the years. The likes of Bournemouth, who are now in the Premier League, even Sheffield United have only just started spending um, recently, really in the ca- in the past twelve months. Um, so I find that frustrating. So for me, it would be a case of you know, making the limit on how much you spend more than 39 million. I mean, if, if you were to, if you were to make it more like 70 or 80 million pound loss over three years, that, that for me would be more realistic in an age now where, like I say, you, you can spend 10 million pound now on a player that's bang average. Um, and, and that's where, you know, the, the gap needs to be bridged a little bit between the Premier League and the Championship, that the, the best championship players these days are keeping you know quite a a low value if you like um because of things like ffp um you know teams teams will look into buying players from the championship and and because of ffp reasons they they know they can probably pick up a player for between five and and 12 million quid except the likes of of your of your big players like your mitrovic's and your your bowens and your dax what are worth more like 20 25 but that strikers if you were to explore midfielders and defenders you'd get them relatively cheap whereas in the premier league you know, you, you you can get a 20-year-old um, who's only just made it onto the scene playing for the likes of, you know, Crystal Palace and they're suddenly worth 30, 40 million pounds. So for me, I understand, like you say, there's got to be guidelines in place and we've got to stick by them. Um, even, you know, teams such as mine have, have ex- exploited the loophole of, of selling the stadium and it's, it's probably going to come back and bite us on the ass, to be honest. But at the same time, I don't think teams should be doing that. They shouldn't be exploiting loopholes. I believe that there is, the rules should just be made fairer in the fact that you can make a bigger loss. Um, and, and, you know, if teams are not willing to abide by that because they've got, you know, not enough money and they feel as though it's unfair, well, for me, it, it, it's just tough. I, I don't understand why... You know, you, you you can have chairman who's got millions and millions, and he's bought a football club, and then he's he's not really allowed, or not you know allowed to exceed that thirty thirty nine million over three years. That's that's what's most most frustrating for me. Uh, but with that, yeah, we'll have to see what 
happens to the likes of Sheffield Wednesday. Um, obviously, they're not the first. They won't be the last either. This is something that you know comes up probably every three to six months on this podcast and continues to happen. So there'll be you know be another team that it happens to. Um, but in terms of the punishment, we'll just have to see how severe that will be. Um, as it seems that they've you know overstepped the mark more than such as. Um, Birmingham City did so it could be a case of a, a 12 point or 15 point deduction but like I say it's just a waiting game in, in that regard uh, but let's talk something a bit more you know that's not as downbeat something a bit more upbeat Jake the next topic and, and final topic before previews and predictions is discussing who we think is the most or highest valued player um, in the championship now this caught my attention because of an article that i read uh, regarding transfer market which has uh, alexandra mitrovic um, ranked at or worth 22.5 million pounds um, and for me i wondered you know from your perspective if you thought mitrovic was the highest valued player in the championship and and if not or, or are there any other players that you think are you know worth more than that or, or around that figure um i think it's probably fair to say mitrovic would be the most valuable player in the in the championship in classic terms i think you know he's yeah he's a player that's twice transferred for over 20 million pounds so if you know, he's obviously got that value already. Uh, still a very, very young striker. Um, once again, this season proven himself. It's probably been too good for the division. Still only 25, and he's he's got 12 goals. Um, in European qualifying for Serbia, he got 10 goals. So, you know, he's, he's doing it at a higher level as well. Um, so I, th- I think with Mitrovic, you've got the ability there already, and you've got the the pedigree to back up you know he scored Premier League goals he's top scored in the Belgian league he's scored goals for Serbia um dominated the championship in his first year doing it again this year he's got that yeah. pedigree so when you're when, when he's valued at that you can sort of see why um and I also see probably what you're going to bring into into this debate and that'll be looking at the likes of of maybe Ollie Watkins or, or Jared Bowen both only mm-hmm. got one fewer goal than Mitrovic this season but they're English they're young um, they've got that big potential, um, and I guess if you're valuing them in, in in the classic terms as English players, maybe they have that extra markup. Um, what I will say, and what is worth mentioning, uh, especially with with Jared Bowen, is he's, his contract is very very uh, insecure. I think he's only contracted to the end of the season, so um, you know if he's going to be transferred in January, it's not going to be for the price that. Maybe whole city think he's worth. So you know, yeah, that that's probably something worth bringing into it. Um, you've always got Bradley Dak as well. Um, not sure he's quite kicked on in, in the way that we would have expected him to. Um, but he's probably still, you know, over that ten million pound mark. Um, but yeah, I think they're they're the main ones that jump out. I think Watkins, if he was sold tomorrow, would probably get fifteen million quite easily. Um, similar to Che Adams, uh, sort of similar ballpark and. Mm-hmm. Or that, and maybe the fact that Che Adams is is not done so well at Southampton might might make teams think twice about going for Watkins, but that that would be the benefit of Brentford. Um, but yeah, that's, I think they're the main ones for me. Um, 
What about Tom Kearney? He's the only other one on my list. I know he's a midfielder, so he's probably, you know, you could take £5 million straight away off him. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on how much he'd be worth now? Um, I think with Kearney a few years ago, I think you'd probably say £20 million would be would be quite a fair price. I know we were in for Kearney um, mm. for a long time and we're, we're thinking around that, that ballpark. But look at him now. Um, he obviously, he's had a go in the Premier League with Fulham. Um, don't think he he played too well um, during that spell. Um, he, he was in and out of the team. He he wasn't ever relied upon um, last season um, by by Ranieri or or by Jukanovic. Um If you and if you look back, yeah, he played twenty four games, but there's a feeling that he was often taken off, and and he, he didn't really thrive at the Premier League level and one goal and one assist, you know, yes, he's playing in a poor Fulham team, but that isn't the kind of impact that you'd expect. Um, and I think for that reason, he's probably not going to fetch the sort of money that he would have done a few years ago. Uh, so yeah. I certainly think he's probably around a, a £10 million footballer, but I don't think I'd want to see my club pay any more than that if we if they were to go for him. Um, another one for Fulham, I guess you could go for is Alfie Mawson. Obviously, he's gone for a similar figure before, but his career sort of gone backwards uh, very quickly. You know, there's once a time where Alfie Mawson and, and Harry Maguire might have been in, in a similar position in, in terms of how they were rated when one was at Hull and one was at Swansea, but one's gone one way, the other's got, gone another. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to look at these relegated clubs and you could pick out talent, but I don't think any, they, there's a lot there to... Um, that have really proved themselves, apart from maybe Mitrovic. I think he's the one that, that you could say has. Um, but yeah, it, it's difficult to, to value these players. Um, at the end of the day, if, if a player's wanted uh, by another club, <laughs> it, it, it's up for, for the, the buying club to set the valuation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd say in terms of pure quality, I, I think Bowen's probably the best player in the championship, but I'm not sure if he's if he'd go for the biggest price yet, and that's mainly because of the, the, the doubts about how proven he is. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I get exactly what you're saying there, because, you, you, like you said, Mitrovic consistently done it. He's, you know, he's done it in this league. He's got international experience. You know, he's capable of 25 goals in this league easily every season. Um, and then, you know, you considered, you know, such as Bowen and Dak and, and Watkins to be English and, you know, still a relatively young age. So for me, I, I, I do believe that Mitrovic is probably the highest valued player, but just behind them would be... Uh, Watkins, Bowen, then maybe Dak in that. Uh, sorry, Bowen, Watkins, then Dak in that order. Um, but if you took, I'm going to ask you a question now, Jake. If if you took everything out of the equation, if you, if you if you you know forgot what club they played for, um, you can still obviously consider their age to that. But then, you know, if you were to pick one of those players between Mitrovic, Bowen, Watkins, and Dak, let's say. Um, which one, forgetting how much you know you think that they're valued at, which one would you buy? Who do you think is the best player? Well, as a as a as a Premier League supporter, um, yeah. If 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 say if if I got to choose one player to go to Newcastle tomorrow, um, from the Championship, no matter the price or or whatever, um, say it, I'd, I'd be paying a Championship record fee for any of them. I'd go for the Bowen, and I I don't think yeah. I need to debate that. I don't. He's the one I'd want. 
Yeah, I did. I do exactly the same. I think Jared Bowen. I think, like you say, he's probably you know worth slightly less than Mitrovic. It could, you know, five ten million pound less than Mitrovic, maybe. It, you know, bit based. He's been at Hull and got like like you say different different contracts in the terms of the structure and 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 caliber of team he's currently playing for. Um, but if if I was you know a top ten team in the Premier League, I'd be looking at in this order probably Jared Bowen first, then Ollie Watkins, and then probably Mitrovic third. Um, and you know Mitrovic had, has had opportunities at Premier League level. I just think you know for me you look at the future, don't you? And you look at players that, you know, if, if, if Jared Bowen's not got an England cap in the next five years, then, you know, his, his career's probably gone slightly wrong for me, especially when you look at the players Gareth Southgate is bringing into the England setup now. Like, you know, Mason Mount's managed to score recently for England and get a couple of England caps. Um, I might be putting my neck on, neck on the line now, but for me, Jared Bowen and, and Ollie Watkins are a better player than Mason Mount. I don't know if you agree with that, but um, what's your thoughts? Um, I'm not sure. I, I always rated Mason Mount quite highly. Um, I'm not surprised that he's gone on to do what he's done. So I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure I'm a buyer with you that bet. Um, I'm, I'm quite behind you with that because with Mount as well, he, he went away and he'd done really well in, in the, the Dutch top flight. He did well at Derby, I think. When he came back into the team, Derby really propelled and secured that playoff spot. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I, I think they're very similar levels where Bowen is now. Um, I think Mason Mount's slightly younger as well, isn't he? Um, he, he is a younger player. So yeah, yeah, um, and Bowen's twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I get your point, but I, I think they're very similar. Is what I'd say on them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm just being biased. I think um, if. You know, I just if I were Premier League manager, and I'd be I'd be spending whatever it took in in January to to get Bowen to my club. Um, I think he's probably one of the next best things for you know English football. Maybe I'm not saying he's going to be you know reach the top and be you know a, a David Beckham or Michael Owen. I just think he's going to be in and around the England setup in the next couple of years, and he, he just needs his. I think he's done everything in the Championship. Just needs his opportunity now. Uh, in the Premier League, and and for me, he is probably the best player in the Championship now. Over the course of the last, uh, well, s- s- since the middle of last season, really. Um, so yeah, he's he's got a bright future. But that takes us nicely onto previews and predictions, Jake, uh, where we pick three games. So we're going to go straight to Friday night, seven forty-five kickoff. Uh, Swansea host Fulham. Um, what's your preview and prediction for that one? It's going to be. Uh... An interesting game. Swansea, I think they're going off it, and then they pull out a few good results, and then they they get a loss. They're very inconsistent. Um, and and Fulham are the same. Um, although they have with with back to back wins, they have moved into that top four. Um, but it, their away form doesn't really inspire confidence too much. Um, only lost one of their last six, but overall this season they, they've only won three out of eight on the road. So. Um, yeah. Need to improve that waveform a little bit before I think they're they're automatic contenders. But yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I mean, I'm going to go for the one all draw because I'm not too convinced on either team at the moment, and, and I don't really want to back either. But I, I'd probably say Fulham are the better team, but I'm, I'm, I'm slightly uncertain about their waveform. So yeah, I'll go for a one all draw. 
Yeah, I get what you're saying. I'm going to go for Fulham win, though. I just believe, um, you know, two wins on the bounce for Fulham. Uh, Swansea, I was surprised by their defeat to Millwall. Just just the firepower. I know I always say that about Fulham, but up front. Um, and, and obviously the likes of Mitrovic, which we've just been talking about. There's goals in Fulham. So I'm going to go 2-0 to Fulham. Uh, that takes us into Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff. Um, I've picked a side who was second in the division. And, and then looking at the side who was 21st, which is Middlesbrough. So Leeds against Middlesbrough. Um, What's your prediction for this one? And based on your prediction, could this be the end for Woodgate? Um, I've not really been convinced about Woodgate since he came in. Um, no. And it's very difficult. This is a very difficult game. I think it would be harsh to sack him after a loss against uh, Leeds. But yeah, you, I think there was, some co- there was reason for confidence um, at the weekend with their first half performance. They probably would have won mm. that game had they not... Um, they not got the man sent off, but yeah, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with the Leeds win. I think that's just a safe bet here. Yeah, same here. Um, you can't really look past Leeds and, you know, you, you'd, you'd be betting on Leeds to win that one. Uh, so I'm going to go 2-1. Um, and f- I've said it for about six weeks now, but I'm, I'm still surprised that Woodgate is in the job um, and, and, and he'll be the next to be sacked for me, whether it's after this game, like you say, be harsh that one, but, you know, it, it's it's got to happen sooner rather than later, you would think. Uh, and that takes us into an important game, which is actually on the Monday night. Um, so we're going straight to Monday at 7.45. That one is Preston against West Brom. What are your thoughts and prediction for that one, Jake? Yeah, this is a huge game. Um, mm. I, I've always said on this podcast, Preston at home, I'm always so confident in backing them. Um, always very confident backing Preston at home. I just think they're reliable. Um don't often lose um, and, and often get some surprising results at home. If you, you only have to go and look at the, uh, the championship table uh, that's taken home results into account. Preston, top of that table, 23 points. The next best is Derby of 18. So, um, yeah, yeah, they, they are dominant at home. Um, haven't lost yet this season at Deepdale. Got 25 goals in nine matches. That's that is an incredible record. Um West Brom, I think, are consistent. I don't think you get a lot of difference from them home or away. Um, looking at their away form, they do have the best away form. So, yeah, it, 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 it's, a, <laughs> it's tough road, to so call, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. I'm going to back Preston. I always back Preston at home. Um, so, yeah, I'm going I'm to go with Preston to win. Uh, and Even though they haven't lost at home, I still think it would be seen as a, as a surprising result if they did go to win it. Okay, yeah, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit. It's, it is very difficult to call. You know, Preston are so good at home, but, you know, West Brom have lost one game all season. Um, I'm going to go for 2-2. Two, two. I think there'll be goals. You expect goals from both clubs, don't you, Preston and West Brom? Uh, and, and for that reason, yeah, I'm going to go for that score draw of, of two goals apiece. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be intrigued to see what this one is. The, the pressure's more on Preston. Um, you know, currently, as we record, five points behind West Brom. But you know, we we, we know what how good and, and consistent, like you say, West West Brom can be. So I'm going to go for a draw on that one there. Um, but unfortunately, Jake, uh, thanks for joining us and recording. Uh, but with that, we're out of time. If you'd like to let our listeners know where they can find you, now would be a good time. Yeah, and get me on Twitter at Jake Jack with two ends. Um, often on the Premier League show, hosted that this week. Uh, that was a good episode. Um, lots of chat on Pochettino and the, and the manager uncertainty in the Premier League at the moment so go check that one out 
Yeah, and I've been your host at Louis Shackshaft on Twitter. Uh, but more importantly, remember to follow the show at Championship Pod, uh, where we post our latest show uh, by uploading that and keep it on our pin tweet. So if you want to check that one out, uh, please subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening and we will catch you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.